We're going to start in Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read the first three verses, and then I'll read again starting at verse 10. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has put you under a spell? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law, all who rely on obedience to the law, are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. In other words, if you're trying to obey the law, the moment you break one law, you're now guilty of breaking them all. And if you're guilty, you're cursed. And James backs this up. In the book of James, James says, if you break one law, you're a lawbreaker. So if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. Many of you are going, whoa, what the heck, dude? I'm just trying to obey God. No, this is really good news. Don't worry. So verse 11 now says, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. You cannot stand before God justified by obeying the law. Why? Because you can't obey it perfectly. How do I live then? You live this way. The righteous live by faith. Amen? So, So now we have a difference between the spirit and the flesh and the law and faith. See these two contradictions so far? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. Okay, now we have Abraham. So we have the law and we have faith. We have the spirit and we have flesh. And now we have Abraham who was before the law, four to 500 years before the law. Before Moses, there was Abraham. God is bringing us back to that kind of relationship. Abraham did not have a law to follow, but he had God to follow. And God rewarded Abraham. God blessed Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. God led Abraham. God corrected Abraham. Abraham is a prototype, a picture of what a child of God could be. And now in the new covenant, God isn't taking us back to Moses or back to the Ten Commandments or back to law. He's taking us before the law. He's taking us back to Abraham. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. A lot of heavy scriptures here. And we could could hang for a long time just in Galatians 3. So I'm going to do my best to move through this. I want to talk about why grace. Why grace. I'm going to give you an argument for grace tonight, to truly embrace grace for your life and to live by faith in the goodness and the grace of God. Father, I pray you open our hearts now to your scriptures, that by the presence of the Holy Spirit, you would confirm this teaching and that like those disciples on the road to Emmaus that walk with Jesus, that our hearts tonight would come alive, they would burn as you speak to us, set people free from fear, shame, condemnation, and guilt, and set us free into the spirit of God, the faith of God, and the grace of God. Lord, mark people tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus, 
If that's your prayer, say amen. 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 Why grace, number one? Because grace is amazing. Grace is amazing. There's an old song, some of y'all too young to know it, but you need to get to know it. It's called Amazing Grace. And Chris Tomlin didn't write it. It's really old. (laughs) Some of y'all still, some of y'all too young for Chris Tomlin, but how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace. Grace grace isn't just okay. Grace isn't just good. Grace isn't just a part of the message of Jesus. It is is the message, grace. It It is amazing and it is needed. And your walk with Jesus cannot work outside of the atmosphere, the oxygen that is the grace of God. So so the apostle Paul now writes to this church in Galatia and he says, he says, what happened to you? Who bewitched you? You're under a spell of false teaching. That's what he's literally saying. You started in the spirit. You started in faith. You started by trusting in Jesus, but now you're trying to follow Jesus by the law. And he said, that's impossible to do. So let me explain what happened. These are Gentiles. These are people that do not know the law. They don't know who Moses is. They don't know the Ten Commandments. They, they are completely separated from Judaism. This is in an area called Asia Minor or, East, or Europe. They're, they're outside of Jerusalem. They're outside of Israel. They're outside of Judaism. They hear the gospel of Jesus. They get just like us. They get saved. They put their faith in Christ. But now there's this group of Jewish teachers that are going into churches saying, hey, it's okay to be a Christian. It's okay to place your faith in Jesus, but you also need to follow the law. So cool you believe in Jesus. Cool you think Jesus is the Messiah. Cool you think Jesus has saved you. That's great. You still need to follow the Ten Commandments. You still need to follow the Mosaic Law. You still need to follow the dietary restrictions, the moral restrictions, all the, all the laws of Moses, and you need to be circumcised. So now imagine this. You're in a Gentile church, and, and back then, you know, today circumcision is a little more common, but back then no one was circumcised outside of Israel. So these teachers are going in on a Sunday going, hey, guys, all the, all the fellas, we're going to have a men's revival tomorrow night. <laughs> Cheers. And tomorrow night, we're going to have a men's meeting. It's going to be Monday night football out in the lobby. It's going to be praise and worship. In and out's going to come. It's going to be awesome. And then at the end of service, you're going to prove your faith in God. We're sharpening our knives. And we're going to circumcise all the men. And all of these churches were believing a false teaching that what Jesus did for them on the cross was not enough. That to the message of grace, you also needed the law. So these Gentile men were getting circumcised. And Paul said, you cannot add to the grace of God. Because if you add to it, it becomes something totally different. It's no longer grace. It's no longer the message of Jesus. It's now just another religion. And you, it, it looks like faith and it looks like zeal and it looks like religious and it looks spiritual and it looks like sincerity, but it's actually separating you from God because your faith is now in a practice instead of a person. Let me just say this too, especially if you kind of follow church and 
A lot of you wouldn't, a lot of you are so young and new to this, but especially maybe for my older saints, you follow church, you follow the charismatic church, uh, the, the church that I'm in, that I, I pastor a charismatic church, but a lot of people in the charismatic community have kind of embraced some of the Jewish roots and Judaism thinking into their church. And we have to just be very careful about that because, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear a, 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 a Gentile like me call Jesus Yeshua, but they don't speak Hebrew. And, you know, they'll pray with a prayer shawl and uh, they'll follow the holy days and the, the, the different holy, uh, high holidays of the, of the Jewish culture. I don't think there's anything wrong with being interested in Jewish culture. But if you have faith in that stuff, you're on dangerous ground. Um, and, and there's a lot of preachers that kind of get into that. And we just have to be careful that our faith isn't in that. Our faith is not in a day. Our faith is not in a piece of clothing. Our faith is not in a garment. Our faith is not even in Jerusalem. I, I, I'm going to go to Jerusalem next year, 2023. I'm excited about it. But my faith isn't in that. My faith is in Jesus. I hope I'm making sense. So in, in 2022, there's no preachers telling you you have to be circumcised anymore. That, that, that doesn't happen. But we do still, if, if we're not careful, we'll kind of add to the message of Jesus. We need to be careful of this. And, and let me just say this while I'm on it. The Apostle Paul was a Jewish man who never lost his Jewish culture ever. But he never put that on his Gentile churches. He never told them he had, they had to honor the Sabbath. He said, hey, worship when you want to worship. If one day's holy to you, do it. Romans 14. But if you don't want to worship on that day, worship when you can. If, if, if you don't want to eat that, that food, don't eat it. But if you want to eat that food, go ahead. If you don't want to drink, don't drink. If you want to drink, go ahead. He doesn't put the customs. He, doesn't, he says, hey, if, you want to, if, if celebrating the Jewish holidays helps you connect with God, cool. But you don't have to. And don't shame anyone for not. The, the point is, is that Paul never put his culture and his ethnic identity upon Gentiles. But that's what was happening here. So these Gentiles thought, well, man, I've got to lose my cultural identity and take on Judaism. And Paul's saying, absolutely not. You do not need to do that. He was so frustrated about this that in Galatians 5, he says this. And, and for these agitators, for these false teachers who are obsessive about circumcision, they should just go all the way and castrate themselves. Imagine that Sunday morning when the pastor's reading this to his church. And he's like... Because he's going, oh, cool. So you think you're holy for circumcision? Well, imagine how holy you would be if you just. <laughs> Whoosh. And, he, and he wasn't promoting castration. He was saying, do, do you realize how, how foolish you look? That you have faith in the shedding of your blood? Y'all see that communion cup you got when you came in here? We're not celebrating your blood. We're not celebrating. We're not celebrating your sacrifice. We're not celebrating your righteousness. We're not celebrating your work. We're not celebrating our sacrifice to God. We're celebrating Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That represents his blood, not our blood. Paul goes, you don't need to mutilate your flesh. His flesh was already broken and beaten and whipped and pierced on the cross. So if you have everything, if you've got all the religious systems down, Bible reading, church, serving, giving, 
You got the Christian lingo. You know how to say praise the Lord. And you know how to lift your hands and say amen. If you've got all that and you don't have faith in Jesus, you've got nothing. But if you've got Jesus and you don't have anything else, you got everything. I believe in tithing. I believe in church attendance. I believe in serving. I believe in living holy. I believe in Bible reading. I believe in prayer. I don't think I need to say that. Y'all know I believe all that. I believe in all of those things are good practices, but my faith is not in them. My faith is in Jesus. Religion in general would be summed up this way. If you do good, you get good. And if you do bad, you get bad. It's just how people think. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. And, and there is a truth to, there are consequences for sin. You, you go live your own way, you're going to hurt people, you're going to hurt yourself. But here's grace. You get good because of the goodness of Jesus. Yeah. You hear that nervous clap? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying do whatever you want and God will, and God will bless it and God will wink at it and God will sweep it under the rug. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I don't, I don't bring my list of accomplishments to Jesus and say, you have to bless me because I've... Jesus, it's Sunday night and I was at church. And Jabin went late again. And I didn't leave. I didn't get up to pee and I had to pee and I didn't get up to pee. And we went out to eat after, and I didn't get a drink. I, was, I had a Diet Coke. So now you need to bless me. No, 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 no. That's do good, get good. That's do bad, get bad. You screwed up real bad on Friday night. Man, I got to get to church on Sunday. Man, I, gotta, I better go to two services. Man, I better double dip because, man, I better. No, that's all religious. I go to God, and I go, Lord, you're going to, because of Jesus, you're going to bless my life. And I'm going to stand in the, in the confidence of that before God. Jesus would talk about grace in Luke 15. He talks about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And when he talks about the lost sheep, he looks at this group of people and he goes, hey, so you, you know how it is, guys. Like if you have 100 sheep, check this out, Luke 15, 4. You have 100 sheep and, you, and, and one of them runs away. You know, you know how it is. You leave the 99 to go get the one, right? Well, no. <laughs> Every one of those people would have thought, Bro, you're a good teacher and you're a good carpenter, but you're a terrible shepherd. You never leave the 99 for the one, ever. Why risk losing the 99 for the one? The one is not important. Jesus goes, oh no, you don't know how I shepherd. This is total opposite. See, grace is complete opposite of logic. It's not that it's too good to be true. It's just so true, you've never thought about it. And by the way, you should be able to celebrate Luke 15, 4, because if you follow Jesus long enough, eventually you're going to be the one. Like some of you so holy and so proper because you've been following God for like three months. You're like, I'm always part of the 99. That's cool. I've been doing this for 24 years. And in 24 years, probably at least once a year, I become the one. 
I get a little depressed. I get a little pity. I get a little self-centered. I get a little self-righteous. I start, I start, I start being mad at everybody else. And I start, I start, my heart starts growing cold towards the Lord. And at least one time a year, Jesus has to go, y'all, I'll be right back. Jabin's tripping again. And Jesus goes over that, that shepherd rod and he, and he goes, come on, dog, we coming back. Okay, Lord. Anybody grateful? Have you ever been the one? Come on, anybody grateful that even when you walk away, he, he has a way of finding you and bringing you back? So, so that's why grace is amazing. That even when we're faithless, 2 Timothy 2.13, he, I love this, just, he remains. Ooh, we so fickle. We're so hot and cold. We're so up and down. We're so emotional. We're all up in our feelings. He just remains. Faithful. That's the goodness of God. Grace is amazing. Why grace? Because grace is amazing. Number two, grace is amazing because grace is empowering. Why grace? Because it's empowering. Okay, so what's my response to grace? It's verse 11. Galatians 3.11. The righteous live by faith. What do I do with the message of grace? Live by faith. The only appropriate response to grace is faith. Not faith in yourself, not faith in your works, faith in Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that maybe you've never thought about and I want it to get in your spirit. Faith is only possible where grace is available. That's not just a cute little sharp saying. That's, that's the truth. Faith, doesn't even op, faith isn't even possible unless there's grace. Anything that, that looks like faith, quote, unquote, faith, if grace isn't in the equation, it's not faith. It's religious zeal. And again, I've, I've talked about this in the past. There's a lot of people operating off of fear calling it faith. It's sincere, but it's sincerely wrong. It's zealous. Did you like that, Shan? Sorry, I made my wife laugh. I'm like, I'm done. Let's go. Let's go on a date. Sorry, you know. It's cool. Made me happy. Give me a mention on Instagram. At Javen Javis. Okay. It, 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 can, it, it looks like religious. It looks religious. It looks spiritual. It's zeal, but it's not faith because faith is only a byproduct of grace. Remember Ephesians 2.8, you're saved by grace through faith. They, they, they cannot be divorced. They cannot be disconnected. Um, if you would have thought about those men, let's go back to Galatians 3. If you would have thought about those men getting circumcised, that would have looked really religious. I mean, let's just go back to it. All right, dad's going to men's revival tonight. What are they going to do at men's revival? Well, they're going to 
have church and then dad's going to show that he really loves God, man. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, man. Dad's going to go get cut up tonight. Wow. I mean, that's so spiritual, man. I mean, he's ready to lay down his life, man, for the gospel, man. But it wasn't faith. Self-manufactured, fear-fueled, man-centered zeal is not faith. Let me hit the rewind button. I'm going to go back. Self-manufactured, fear-fueled, man-centered zeal is not faith. It can look the part. But it's based out of fear, not out of grace. Those men were being circumcised out of a spirit of fear that said, God will not accept you unless you get cut. That's not faith in a good God. That was a fear that was released. You feeling bad about yourself is not faith. You feeling like you're not enough is not faith. You wondering if God loves you so you better go back to church, that's not faith. True faith is only possible when grace is understood. Let me, let me explain it like this. I, I, there are gifts of the Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, there's gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the uh, gift of faith. I have that gift of faith. It was always easy for me to believe in God. God was always real to me. But before I understood grace, I knew Jesus was real and I knew he was mad. Y'all know what I'm saying? It was like... I know there's a God, and he can't like someone like me. I, I, I believed in God, but when I started to understand grace, I want you to see the difference. I can now believe God. There was a gift in me, supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit, that it was always easy for me to believe, yeah, of course there's a God, but he's mad. But when I began to understand grace, I don't now just believe in God, I believe God. There's a difference. And your ability to believe God can only happen by the grace of God. So Jesus actually has to clarify this on Mark chapter 11, verse 22. He says, hey guys, you need to have faith, but, but please don't get it twisted. You need to have faith in God. Not in yourself. Not in your works. Not in your own righteousness. Not in what you can accomplish. You need to have faith in God. Faith is born in grace, not in ourselves. We cannot be the object of our faith. If we are the object of our faith, that is not Bible faith, and that is not the faith that pleases God. It must be faith in Jesus, faith in what Jesus has done. So last week I made a statement that shook up some people. I said, I said faith doesn't impress God. So let me, let me clarify Hebrews 11 says that faith pleases God. I've, I've said this for years, that faith honors God and God honors faith. And I believe that. Faith pleases God. When I said faith doesn't impress God, here was my point. You don't, you don't go to God with a laundry list of your accomplishments and say, look at that, God. And he goes, whoa, wow. Jeez, <gasps> that is so cool. I'm so, man, I'm shocked. Wow. Read eight chapters in the Bible today. Doesn't impress God. Well, people were frustrated that I said that. 
So people were writing online and they were saying, well, what about in the Bible? Jesus said those guys had great faith. Jesus marveled at their faith. Uh, Jesus was amazed by their great faith. What about that? What about that? Well, let's talk about two people that had great faith in scripture, great faith. There's only two in the New Testament. It was a centurion and it was a Seraphonician woman. When both of them believed God, the scripture said Jesus was amazed by their faith. He actually would say this, I've never seen faith like this in Israel. Like Moses didn't have this faith, Malachi didn't have this faith, Ezekiel didn't have this faith, Isaiah didn't have this faith, dang. Job didn't have this kind of faith. Abraham didn't even have that. My mama Mary didn't have this. I've never seen faith like this. Both of those people were Gentiles. Neither of them had the commandments. Neither of them knew the thou shall nots. Neither of them knew the requirements of the law. Let me tell you what they had. They saw Jesus and they heard Jesus and it produced Faith in Jesus. Well, I read the Bible and I pray and I go to church and I give and I serve and I forgive and I don't have sex before I'm married and I da 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 da. All of those things can be born out of fear and not faith. By the way, all those things are good. I recommend them all. But if your faith is in them, you've missed it. Let me tell you where Bible faith is. Let me tell you real faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Jesus walked the two men um, going down the road to Emmaus. He walked them through the scriptures. And they saw Jesus in the scriptures. Watch this. If I'll see Jesus, and if I'll hear Jesus... And if I'll go to the word of God, not to try to impress God, but to feed my spirit. Reading the Bible doesn't prove I have faith. Reading the Bible proves that I need faith. Man, I wish I could get a witness in this quiet Sunday night church. Okay. And when I, just like, just like that. Centurion, just like that man, just like that uh, Seraphonician woman, they saw Jesus and they heard Jesus and it, boom, it released faith in their spirit. And when I go to the word of God, not to impress God or to look how spiritual I am or to post on Instagram, I'm just in the word this morning, 5 a.m., praise God. But I'm actually, but I'm actually going, God, I need faith. God, I need to understand that you love me. God, I still got all this religious junk in my head, but I got to know that you're for me. And when I go to God's word to find I'm not looking for me. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for you. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for my, I'm not looking for the devil. I'm looking for Jesus. And when I see Jesus and I hear Jesus, faith explodes in my heart, just like those two people. And they didn't have the commandments. They didn't know what was right and wrong. They didn't know the moral law of God, but they had faith. So Jesus And what Jesus has done must be the object of my faith. Grace provides, faith receives. And I'm a faith guy. I want you to know, you know know that about me if you go to this church. I'm a faith man. But I got to have it in the right order. Grace provides, faith receives. Grace sets the table, faith eats. 
Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to eat. It's time to eat. It's, it's time to eat, y'all. At, at, least, at least four times a day, depending on if she's in a growth spurt, sometimes six times a day. My little daughter, Goldie, she comes up to me. She don't think about it. She woke up this morning, came in my room. Dad, I'm hungry. And grace provided. We got home from church. I'm hungry. And grace at the table. And tonight, like every Sunday night, I want in and out in the restaurant. I want to take it home. I want to eat in the restaurant. I want to put on the hat. That's what she wants. And Grace is going to set the table. And all faith has to do is eat. We've made faith so difficult. All you got to do is be a child and say, Dad, I'm hungry. And every parent in here knows, every parent in here knows, you're going to set the table, you're going to provide. And all your kid has to do is eat. Now, does your kid have to eat? Absolutely. And if your kid don't eat, are they going to be malnourished? Absolutely. And if you don't eat, are you going to be malnourished? Absolutely. But, but I'm re- faith is receiving. Faith is the fruit. Catch this. Faith is the fruit. Nothing is born in faith. It's born in grace. It's born by the Holy Spirit. And then faith is the fruit of that. Faith doesn't start anything. Okay. I thought my prayers could move God. I thought my faith could move God. I thought... The only reason you have the faith is because Jesus, by the word, gave you the permission to believe. So so faith is fruit. Um, I'm I'm going to back it up with Bible in one second, but I'm going to give you another one that's fruit. Love is fruit. Love is not the root. Love is the fruit. Okay, let me prove it. A lot of thinking caps tonight. Let me prove this. Hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? What's the greatest one? You must, Matthew 22, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You must. I think, I think the law can be summed up in those two words. You, mu- you have to. You have to. And you don't love God, you're going to hell. You don't love your neighbor, you're going to hell. You have to. You have to forgive. You have to forgive or God won't forgive you. Right? That's what the law says. You have to. It's not heart transformation. It's a law. So when Jesus said, um, when when the man asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He told him. By the way, you go, see, it's that easy, man. You just got to love God, love people. Oh, really? So you love God with all your heart? All, All your soul, all your mind, all your soul? You do? Well, you know, I mean, most of the time, I mean, you know. You love your neighbor like you love yourself? Well, you know, I mean, I, you know. Well, then let me have your house. Give me your house. For free. I want your house. Give me your car. Give me your valuables. If you love me like you love yourself. Because we don't. 
Because the point of the law is not to make you a better person, but to bring you to the end of yourself. Where you go, man, I can't love God with all my heart. I mean, geez, I'm struggling. Man, I can't love my neighbor like I love myself. I mean, I'm still, of course. Have you ever... Have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, that one's cool. Get mad at someone. You're going to hell. Oh, Jesus. I don't like that one. <laughs> Lust after someone. Cut out your eye. Oh, my God. I don't like that one. Because the point of the Sermon on the Mount was to make you go, Lord, I, I can't do this. And he goes, I know. But I'm going to so empower you by grace that you will be able to do what you could not do on your own. Because I'm not going to make you a better person. I'm going to make you a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. That word new creation literally means a new species. Like like literally a new species. Like if your dog became a rhinoceros. Like, (laughs) Like if a giraffe became a lion. Like a new species. You become a whole new thing. You take on a whole new DNA. His blood flows through your veins. You become a, you become a whole new thing. That's crazy to think about. There is a heart transformation that can only happen by grace. Okay, so I said faith is a fruit, and I said love is a fruit. Let me prove it to you now. So, so Jesus said, if you want to know the greatest commandment in the law under the old covenant, it's to love God and love people. By the way, we should all do that. We, we just shouldn't have faith in ourselves to do that. But of course we should love God and of course we should love our neighbor. Give me an amen, okay? Amen. Amens are getting stronger again. You're like, yeah, 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 I like that. But now he's gonna say this, hey, I've actually got a new commandment. That's an old commandment. Let me, let me give you a new one. You're not gonna find this one in the Old Testament. Let me give you a new one. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another Watch this. You love as I've loved you. Please hear me. Old Testament, you must love God. You must love people. New Testament, as you receive my love, root, love, fruit. An orange tree doesn't have to go, oh, I got to produce oranges. Oh, man, darn it, a pineapple. No. That orange tree is going to produce oranges because of its roots. Because yes. so everything, yes. book of Genesis, everything produces after its own kind. Yes. That's why a fish is never going to have an alligator, an alligator is never going to have a lion, and a lion's never going to have a wolf. Because you produce after your own kind. And the reason you're not producing, the reason you're not producing righteousness is because you haven't connected yet to the Holy Spirit. You're trying to do this on your own. And the works of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 says the works of the flesh are obvious. It's sexual morality, it's anger, it's jealousy, it's backbiting, it's murder, it's all this. Paul says that's, that's the work of the flesh because if you're trying to do this in the flesh, you'll never produce righteousness. You'll just produce more of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit, 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 fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then watch what Paul says. 
and against those things, there is no law. Because when you're connected to the Spirit of God, and when you're reliant on grace, you don't need a rule, a set of rules of do's and don'ts. The Spirit of God on the inside of you is saying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And now I don't have to try to serve God. The Spirit of God on the inside of me produces what I could not produce. See, the message of grace will never make you want to go, cool, I'm just, I got grace, I'm going to go sin. No, the message of grace says, I want to go, I want to go know Jesus better. I want more of Jesus. I want to go read my Bible. I want to go pray. I feel like worshiping. I feel like praising. It draws you closer. And it immediately releases faith because the righteous now live by faith. So your faith goes through the roof. Because you're not trying to grow your faith by looking at your own weaknesses and your own strengths. You're looking at Jesus. And as you look at Jesus, boy, your faith grows. And grace will produce good works. But we're not saved by good works. We're saved into good works. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There should be something in you that wants to do good, that wants to honor God, that wants to love people, that, of course. I I just don't have faith in it. How many times can I say this tonight before y'all, you're like, Jabin, I feel like you're repeating yourself. I am. Right, because I just... I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to pray. And tonight before we go to bed, I'm going to pray for my kid. And, and it's, it's, the, it's the 16th. I got paid this last week and I paid my tithe and I gave my offering. But I just don't have faith in any of that. I hope I'm making sense. Number three, grace is a blessing. Grace is a blessing. So now the apostle Paul takes us all the way back to God's original man of faith, Abraham. Um, Romans 4 calls him the father of our faith. So if you, if you want to know what faith looks like, we look at Abraham and he says, so that in Jesus, everyone say, I'm in Jesus. In Jesus. Okay, so he says, so in, in Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So he's saying, this is no longer just some Jewish religion. This is for the world. This is for you. This is for me. This is for Gentiles. This is for Jewish people. This is for Slave and free, this is for male and female. This is for Jew and Gentile. This is, we're all one in Christ now. This is a, this is a new thing that God has done. And he says, you're blessed. Okay, so let me explain this. Um, God blesses obedience and God blesses faith. Don't get it twisted, he does. He does. God, God blesses 
us for our obedience. He does. But you, you start already under the blessing. If I could say it this way, like in the Old Testament, you were, you were kind of like cursed until you were blessed. Like you didn't really know where you were at with God and, and so you had to do all these rules and you had to follow these things. You had to give these sacrifices. You had to do all this. And then, and then if, if all that was taken care of, then I was like, okay, we're, we're cool. Under the new covenant, you're, you're blessed. Watch this. You're blessed to be blessed. Um, our, our little going to be six-year-old in two weeks, uh, She's blessed in our house. She's blessed. In our house, she's blessed. This word blessed means to speak well of, to praise, and to set apart. And that's what we do with our kid. We, we speak well of her. We praise her. We set her apart. She's, she's the princess, and she knows it. But if she'll obey, there's even more blessing. So, hey, hey Goldie, can you, can you feed the dog? Our dog, by the way, has gained so much weight recently because our because our daughter's been feeding him. <laughs> so she just goes with that box. You know, we're like, Jesus, you know. So our in-laws came last week and they're like, Your dog Bentley's so fat, what happened? We're like, oh man, Goldie's been feeding him, feeding him good. Um if she'll do that, hey, help me with the trash. Hey, go get the trash bags. Hey, hey, let's clean up your room. Hey. We're gonna bless her for that. But she's already blessed. Like, if she says, no, I ain't feeding that dog, I'm still going to feed her. I'm still going to clothe her. I'm still going to house her. I'm not going to say, oh, you want to get me a trash bag? Get out. Because she's already blessed. She's in, dog. Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm saying? But any obedience on top of that only releases more blessing. So I don't pray to be blessed. I'm blessed to pray. I don't give to be blessed. I'm blessed to give. I don't forgive to be blessed. I'm blessed to forgive. I don't love to be blessed. I'm blessed to love. I don't go to church to be blessed. I'm blessed to go to church. I don't read my Bible to be blessed. I'm blessed to have a Bible. I don't. And then because God is so good, he blesses me for doing anything good within the blessing that he already afforded. Yep. He could be like, yeah, you should read your Bible. Yeah, you better go to church. You better tithe. But he doesn't. He blesses us with the opportunity to do it. And then if you're, if you're wise enough to do it, he goes, awesome, great job. Here's more blessing. Because yep. yeah. so so um, last week I said God is for you. This week you're blessed. Same thing. Different words, same thing. The idea is God's already like, yeah, yes, uh-huh, yeah. done, yep. And all obedience within that 
is not to change God's heart towards you. The, his heart is already yes. And now all obedience within that yes just releases more. So because he speaks well of me, because he praises me, that, that's not worship. That's just he, he says kind words over me. Because he set me apart, because he's blessed me, I want to obey. I want to serve. I want to live for Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to forgive. You know, um, I don't want to get emotional. I got a text Friday from an old friend that we haven't talked in over 10 years, and we had a, we had a bad ending to our friendship. And he texted me Friday, and I read that text. And nothing in me wanted to write him back. Everything in me wanted to call him. Please hear me. It was like, God's been so good to me. I'm not going to ignore this text, nor am I just going to write him back. And I just, boom, picked up the phone. I called him. And I said, bro. And he went, bro. And then we both cried. So bros. It's like such a bro thing, to, bro. And then I went, and, he, and he, first word, he goes, I'm so sorry. And I go, I'm so sorry. And we didn't do that. And then we talked for two and a half hours. We didn't do that to try to earn points with God. I didn't hang up the phone and go, Lord, you... Lord, you know we need a new building if you want to. <laughs> I was blessed to reconcile. So then I started feeling the spirit of reconciliation. I thought of another guy. Grab my phone. I don't have a lot of enemies, but I, <laughs> I sound like I'm like. <laughs> There's another guy. He left our church. We kind of never talked about it. You know, people leave the church and you kind of don't know, like, what do you say? You know, hey, I don't know. It's like weird, you know. We're not the mafia. You don't know what to, you know, you don't know what to say. You, know? you don't cut them off, but you don't want to make it weird. But I just humbled myself. I went, hey, man, I love you. Just thinking about you. Sorry we haven't talked. And he came today. <laughs> we hugged and. So we need, let's talk, let's talk about this. You say, yeah, let's talk this week. I'm not saying that because I'm all that. I'm saying that's what grace will do. Yes. Come on, Freddie. Because, because if, if, I'm, if I'm in a religious, bleeding religion, and if I think I got to bleed, for God to accept me, I'm going to make you bleed to it for me to accept you. Did y'all hear me? Yes. If I think I got to earn it with God, I'm going to make you earn it with me. But if I'll ever accept grace, all I'm going to want to do is give it away. I don't want enemies. I don't want weird relationships. I don't, I don't want 
and grace does. Grace produces that. And I'm an Enneagram 8, which just means I'm ready to cut you off for nothing because it's a wound. No, because it's a wound. It's a childhood wound. Everything in me wants barriers. I know that's so weird for you to think of me that way because you see me up here. Everything in me wants barriers. Everything in me is self-preservation. Everything's in, everything in me is I will not let you in because I won't let you hurt me. I know that's so, you know, you see me preach and you're like, what the heck? Man, that preacher's the same guy on the stage as off the stage. Not me. I'm being real. But, but grace is saying, Jabin, you're more than an Enneagram number. You're more than a personality test. You're more than what they did to you. You're more than what you've been through. You're more than the abuse. You're more than the shame. You're more than the pain. You're more than the sexual abuse. You're more than your worst moment. You're worse. You're more than your most painful moment. You're more than your weakness. I'm a child of God. And so are you. So now I don't, I don't live. You can be seated because I'm almost done. I promise now I don't live in what's been done to me. I live in light of what's been done for me. Did we receive communion? Grab it. Let's go right now before I forget. Woo! Did, did, did that help anybody today? I hope it helped me. If you need uh, an element, uh, lift your hand. We're going to pass it to you. Please, no one... Um, receive yet we're going to do it together I want to receive communion too can I have one Ooh, Jesus my God is this good news or what Um, let's hold it for a moment I want to talk to people quickly before we receive if you don't know the Lord or maybe if you're here today and you go you know what my faith has been in my faith my faith has been in me but I need to place my faith in Jesus I want to pray for you if you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you feel like you need to rededicate your life to Christ I want to pray with you just close your eyes for a moment just think about that for a moment. Do you need to place your faith in Jesus? Are you a new creation? Has your want to changed? Or are you still living in a have to? Because if you're living in a have to, you're not born again yet. I'm just telling you right now, you're not a Christian yet. Because when you become a Christian, something in your spirit changes. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you never sin. It doesn't mean you're not tempted. It does, but there is a there is a nature change and if you've never had that today's your day and I want to pray with you right now Jabin I need to give my life to Christ or I need to rededicate my life to Christ pray with me I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray but it's going to mean so much for you to pray pray this with me say Jesus I believe in you 
believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And that is enough. What you did for me is more than enough. I receive you. I receive your grace. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Amen. Now just keep your eyes closed for a moment, please. Keep your, just a sacred space for a moment. If that's you right now. Javen, I'm giving my life to Jesus tonight or I'm rededicating my life to Christ tonight. If that's you on the count of three, if that prayer was for you, if that was your prayer. Javen, I know everyone in the room prayed it, but that was my prayer. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up high enough, long enough for me to see. I want to acknowledge you. That's me. I'm praying that prayer. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Let me see I didn't raise my hand. I should have raised my hand. Can you raise your hand? Anyone else? Just give you one more moment. One more moment. See you there. Beautiful right there. Beautiful. Anyone else? Not faith in faith. Not faith in you. Faith in Jesus. See you right there. See you right there. See you right here. Yeah, I see you. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. And last, last call. Anybody else? Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now I want you to hold that communion cup in your hand. Everyone together, together say, Jesus, thank you for your grace. Let it produce in me a supernatural faith to believe you. In Jesus' name, go ahead and receive.